Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the 2022 baseball season, which will happen. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis, and with me as always is Dan Thompson. It has happened, folks. There is a new CBA agreement on the books. There will be a 2022 baseball season. Thank goodness, Dan Thompson. Were you worried? Very worried, David. It sounded like they weren't. I mean, I I, I was preparing myself to just settle for, I don't know, uh, what, what baseball could I watch? Little League? Like I, I needed something college, to get ready for, yeah. um, and I was worried this wasn't going to happen. So I'm glad to see that it is. In a 162 game season, Dan, they didn't cut anything. I'm a little that part. I'm a, you know I'm okay with losing the first week of a you know kind of road games against some divisional teams. I don't know yeah. I'm, that that has I I have some concerns about cramming in more baseball because we just did that for the couple of last couple of years where we tried to fit five games into three days. It felt like, but you know whatever, we'll figure that out. It does seem a little bit odd. I guess I don't know how much I've been on the whole, we must play 162. Like, I'd be okay don't, going down to 154, I think. But I, I part of me is like, just curmudgeonly get off my lawn. No, I'd prefer that we play 162. I would I would definitely prefer 162, but not even 163 anymore, David. I'm a little sad about that change. Yes, yes. So this episode, folks, is going to be a little bit less Twins-centric. We're going to focus a little bit more on the 2022 season as a whole for all teams, as well as the new rules and regulations, Dan, for the the 2022 season and i'm there are many i'm conflicted about david i also we need to go back one more time so so we had promised our listeners a 2021 season wrap-up david and yes. i think we we owe it to them to say we actually did record one we recorded we, one we david. did yes we did record one it is uh quite disappointing actually the audio corrupted and it was truly unlistenable and that was just so your Dan, audio was, was truly unlistenable david my That's voice true. sounded lovely. We could have yes. just posted mine, but then it would have we, been a little bit awkward. <laughs> it would have been a reactions. bit awkward. So we are we're letting you into our our very professional show that we're running here to let you know that we uh, we failed to record adequately. Or to Dan's point, to Dan's point, I failed to record adequately. My audio had corrupted. It was it was too. I thought about just posting it, but honestly, folks, it was so terrible. So honestly, my apologies. It was quite disappointing. I started the edit and I was like, what what has happened here? That being said, there is a new CBA agreement on on the table here, Dan. It's a five year agreement. So pending another pandemic or World War Three, we should have no more delays in baseball for at least the next five years i know we haven't had a real season david to do this podcast i think it's us i think this is our fault it could be yes it's likely the case i mean we felt that way about covid and now we're kind of feeling that way about the the agreement here so I think I think what we should do is, is run through the list of, of just a couple of the off-field rule and regulations changes, because I think those are a little less interesting and, yes, and practical. Yes. So there's things like an arbitration bonus pool for young players who basically overachieve their contracts, right? So if they Correct. do particularly well, if, they, if some of them finish high in, in voting in certain awards, then they get bonuses. And so that's one thing that, that they're going to change, which I think is good. I think that's good for the young players who are undervalued, essentially, kind of by the nature of how the baseball 
what contract systems have worked. Correct. Yep. And then there's also going to be a raise in the competitive balance tax thresholds. And again, the reason why that's important, folks, not so much to teams like the Twins and some of the other AL Central competitors, but for those big league teams, as far as the Yankees and the Dodgers are concerned, who are meeting those competitive balance tax thresholds, that's going to have a direct impact on player salaries. And so players don't want a salary cap because they don't want their salaries impacted, which is totally understandable from the player's perspective. It is, because how incredible is it that baseball has held on to the no salary cap? What a, what a great victory for players' unions uh, when the other leagues, and we see, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, Kirill Kaprizov makes, what, $9 million a year? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a pretty standard free agent agreement for a starting pitcher. That's pretty low, actually. Oh, very low. Well, for a good free agent, for for the type of pitcher that the twins sign, that sounds about right. right. What's that? A like a Ricky Nolasco kind of deal? Yeah, sounds sounds about right. Maybe a Phil Hughes after he stopped (laughs) playing. That's how much we were paying him per year, wasn't it? Something like that. You know, that sounds like the contract that Jay Happ would probably sign this offseason. The innings eater Jay Happ (laughs) already starting in with the Jay Happ references. Dan, my goodness, that was I pulled that one out cold too. I'd kind of forgotten about some of these, David. It's been a long time since we talked. It has. It's good to be back in the chair though. So a couple other. We're just going to run through these. We're just going to mention them. We're not going to go into detail. So there's going to be a new system preventing service time manipulation. Obviously, a lot of that came out when there was when your Mariners out there, Dan, when their (laughs) owner decided to go on a little bit of a rant to his Rotary Club. Thought that was a wise idea. Yeah, that wasn't his best moment. I think, uh, you know, it turns out there's a thing called recording buttons on Zooms uh, yeah. <laughs> that somebody hit. Gotcha. Anyway, and then there's also a limit on the number of times a player may be options. So I'm thinking of a guy like Jake Cave. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so the, the top six players in the draft are going to be decided via lottery, and that's going to be odds-based basically for all the non-postseason teams, which is pretty interesting. That there's you only about that five of them picks. left, I think, David. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We'll get to that, Dan. We will get to that here. <laughs> and then also, uh, as far as service time manipulation is concerned, any rookie of the year who is either first or second in voting will also be awarded with a year of service time, which I think is more than fair. I think so, too. It just it's It sounds like such a funny trade. I mean, only two guys. I think the teams that would want to manipulate service time would be happy if a guy wins rookie of the year, and even if it costs them a year of service time. Oh, absolutely. Especially if the team has a good year, not just the player. I guess, and all of these things just felt very unimportant to me in the grand scheme of things. I, I Because how many billions of dollars is baseball worth? I don't know. I, I just, I, I was just getting a little bit frustrated with seemingly the minutia that they're arguing about when this is a billion dollar industry, David. You know, people always say it's hard because you got millionaires and billionaires arguing with each other. But a lot of times when it comes to pro athletes, Dan, how many stories are there about pro athletes who after they're out of the game, they go broke quickly. And it's one of those things where you have to remember guys are playing for maybe, what, 15 years in a really in a, if in a good career. And they need to have that money more or less last them until they're dead, Dan. Couldn't agree with you more, actually. And I, because I, I do think, and maybe this is a topic for another time at some point, too, but I, I agree. I think that there's, that is forgotten. <laughs> That's forgotten yes. that these guys have been building towards this for pretty much their entire lives to that point. And yeah, the, the millions that they make now. That's it until they can pivot towards another career, which usually I feel like ends up being another baseball related career in some way that's not nearly as lucrative as playing baseball at the highest level. Yes. I mean, unless you're a manager like Rocco, who's making buku bucks, Dan. Well, that's the thing. And Rocco, we haven't talked about Rocco in such a long time. It's so nice. I hope he enjoyed the time with his young family and got to really sit back and relax because they have a pretty intense month or so coming up here. 
Yes, it's going to be pretty crazy as far as free agency is concerned and then trying to get guys up to speed in spring training. Now, granted, the Rocco managerial approach, spring training is basically guys show up and do what they want. So I don't know how crazy it's going to be for Rocco, but I suppose he has to write up the lineup cards. It's going to be a lot of effort for him. Dan. There's a there's a parenting strategy that we've talked about before called supervise neglect. Like, I feel like that's what Rocco does with the Twins. Yes. We trust you guys. We're just going to make sure if somebody starts hitting hitting somebody else with a baseball bat, then we'll step in. But other than that, you guys just, you love baseball, right? You love each other. Just go play. All right. Well, with that, Dan, let's go ahead and transition to the new rules that will impact 2022. Now, there was a lot of talk and discussion prior to the agreement being made about what new rules would be implemented this season and what new rules would be implemented in future seasons. So we're only going to talk about currently the rules that are going to impact the 2022 season. I like that. And I so the, the first one here that we've got, and I think this is probably the most significant one, certainly from the player's perspective, is having a DH now in the National League as well as the American League. What, what do you think about that? I don't know. If, if, I would have, if I would have asked you, Dan, you can remove the DH from the AL. Would you do it? No. Because no. then Nelson, we would have been robbed of great Nelson Cruz performances, and we would have seen a lot more very mediocre. The only image in my mind is Brad Radke swinging a bat. I don't know why that's the guy that comes to my mind. But just <laughs> well, pitchers it, batting, I don't want to see pitchers batting. That's the thing. And like when you're not an everyday player, it's just a different role. And so that's why I've never minded the DH role specifically, because pitchers aren't on the field every day. That being said, I was dating a girl in high school, Dan. And I remember I got into an argument with her father. Always a good move, Of course. Guys. If you're, if you're <laughs> dating smart. a girl, get into an argument with her father. But anyway, he's a Cubs fan. And he just goes on and on about, how, well, the NL really knows how to play baseball because they, they make the pitchers bat and it's more of a thinking man's game. How do you like me now, Mr. Larson? How do you like <laughs> me now? Your precious NL has the DH also. Now, do you think this is a little too abrupt? For these teams to be able to flex to this? Or do you think they saw it coming? No, I think the writing was on the wall, and especially with the CBA, that being a, a main pivot point for the players, I think they knew that the MLB would have to fold as far as letting the DH move to the NL. Yeah, I, I do like it overall. I think it's good. I think Nelson Cruz, we keep bringing him up. Obviously, he's the great DH example for the Twins. But now, you know, you can keep playing. Guys like him can have longer careers at the end of their, at the end of their playing days when they can't play a position effectively anymore. Yeah, and I do wonder a little bit, as far as the NL teams are concerned, how many of them are going to run out and sign a big bat? Because I think a lot of those teams, Dan, already have guys who would probably be DH hitters if they were in the AL. And I think we'll see the league kind of evolve. We, we kind of see two approaches, right? You, you see the rotate the DH approach, which I think is going to be Rocco and the Twins move this year. Yep. Um, and then you also have the permanent DH guy. And you're right. There are very few. I mean, Jim Tomey, the Twins had for a couple seasons. It's it's pretty rare, I think, now to be able to have that guy. It's just if you have that guy, that's pretty awesome to be able to put him in the middle of your lineup every day. Yes, 100% agree. With that said, Dan, let's move forward to the other changes. So there are a couple of good changes, I'd say, Dan. Let it sounds like, but here's the thing. They're, they're changes, but they're just going back to how things used to be. Yes, right? yes. That's, that's the thing. So I, I realize, it, I'm surely that wasn't part of the actual bargaining in the agreement per se, but... But I, I do. So we're going back to nine inning double headers, which I think you and I are obviously a big fan of. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, I hated the seven inning rule specifically because of all the different nuances that we talk about as far as stats are concerned. How you have to use pitchers. I mean, again, seven inning no hitters. What are those, Dan? I know you don't care about no hitters, but I don't. seven inning I perfect don't. games. How do you even handle that? 
No, and luckily we didn't have one. Can you imagine if we'd had one? I don't even know. I, I truly, I would have hoped that they would have just said, you know, let's just keep playing these next two innings just to make sure we got it on the books. Well, that's the thing. I would have preferred that they had done something like that, like a contingency. You know, like if the game's within a certain number of ru- of runs, you keep playing. But anyway, the other the other rule change that's not really a change is going back to traditional extra inning rules without the runner on second. And let me tell you, David... Are you clapping? I am clapping, yes. <laughs> are you clapping for it? or are you? I, I'm clapping that there are no runners on second base, Dan. Thompson. I get it now. Okay. So I, I actually, this is what I wish they would have done. And I saw it proposed at least, maybe not ever on the bargaining table. I wish they would have kept the runner at second after the 11th inning. Because what I, I don't love, as much as I like to talk about the 21 inning game that I went to as a kid, I would rather let's not wear out the pitchers because it, it, it has a residual, like a week long effect sometimes on a bullpen. Dan, I, it's, it's funny that you can be so wrong so early. I in am the not season. so wrong about you. Go ahead. I'll give you your time. I just, no, no. <laughs> why, why is oh, it so bad? Because what if you had a double, you got a double header. And the second game goes for 17 innings. Yes, that, that's that what makes totally baseball great is that there's no clock. There's no manipulation to make the game shorter. No, you play until a team wins. You don't start adding things and manipulating the game. Why would they, Dan, why, if that's such a good idea, why would they not do that? Why not just keep it at the 10th inning? Well, because there is a purity to it. It's kind of like the shootout. It's like the shootout. This is a, it's, hockey is the perfect analogy. <laughs> Right, you play a five-minute overtime, and if it's not settled, you don't play another five-minute overtime. Or and now you do in the playoffs, and I would argue in the playoffs, let's keep it right as just, as the no runner in second. But it, this is it's the shootout analogy. It's the same thing. I just love the way that you said it keeps it pure, and then you went on to explain why it's okay to not keep it pure after a certain point. You don't think so? I just I think that that's fine. It's I think I mean the DH is not pure, right? This is Mr. Larson. No, but I, I think the against. arguments for a DH make more sense than those against it. Okay, so it's just that the sense of the argument is different to you. See, I yeah, think you, you call yourself this reason, purist, Dan, you but should, then you're you okay with like with ruining it in certain situations. Come on, what do you mean ru- you, ruining the purity? You're not against the DH. I'm not against the DH. I'm just saying, but you you already. <laughs> but the pure game would not have a DH, David. Why not? They don't have one in the Sandlot. Right, they don't have one in like a pickup game at like everybody bats. Okay, folks, just so you're aware, this is Dan takes most of his baseball purity <laughs> notes from Sandlot. Yes, I mean that's where fireworks night started, right? In the Sandlot, <laughs> that's where they come from. Oh, Dan <sighs> Thompson, my goodness. Right. Okay, let's 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 keep move on. Those are those are good things. We're very excited about them. This one, Dan, I'm curious your thoughts. No game 163. Yeah. Everything's going to be done via tiebreak. I mean, I, I do get it in the sense that when you play a team 18 times or something like that, well, this is what I wish they would do. I, I wish that they would just play divisional games 19 times. And I think that they did that for a couple seasons so that you would have basically a tiebreaker built in. And and then you just, if you're tied for the wild card with multiple teams that obviously would have played maybe an even number of games, then you kind of just manage that. Gotcha. But I do, it's hard, again, with nostalgia, with game 163, you know, in 2009 with the Twins, I, I just... Hmm. It'll be sad to not have those opportunities again. The thing is, the only reason why I'm more okay with it is because of the change that it allows for the postseason format, which we're going to talk about next. But I will say in a traditional season where they're not trying to fit in so many games into a shorter window of time, I do hope that this comes back. I agree. I agree. But to the playoff format, so now 25 teams make the playoffs, and maybe it's not quite that many. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I'm like looking at the notes. I'm like, hang on a second. That's not what it's I It's not that far-fetched. 12. No. It's 12 no. now. Six in each yes. league. 
Correct. So it's going to be the division winners plus the next three finishers. So basically, when we're talking about who's going to make the postseason, Dan, we can say the AL East and then the division (laughs) winners from the AL Central and the AL West. You know, (laughs) there were many years where that was probably true. I think the West, the West has good years, right? Where they would have produced a couple of those teams. No, it does feel like this is the Red Sox, the Yankees. The Rays, and then maybe sometimes the Yankees. The Blue Jays. And maybe sometimes the Blue Jays, right? And then and never, never the, the Orioles. Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did they lose? About 140 games last year? No, I, I do think that this is probably worked out because of the three-game wildcard format, which I know you want to talk about. Yes, I do. So here's the thing. I love that they've eliminated the one-game playoff. Mm-hmm. That was so dumb in my mind, especially with a, with a season that has as many games as the baseball season does. I love They've moved to at least a best of three. I would still prefer this to be a best of five series, but I understand why it's going to be yes, why it's going to be a best of three. Um, It is interesting that all the games are going to be hosted by the higher seeded team. I like that because for one, it simplifies the travel because I've always felt it's a little ridiculous to go back and forth and back and forth uh, in such a short series. And obviously it, it then incentivizes being one of those top teams, especially for that division winner. That third division winner really does get the best chance to stay in the playoffs. And I think it honors the length of the season. It honors the imbalance schedule with all the divisional games. So I do like that. Yeah, so just so people understand, so there's going to be six teams in each league that make the postseason. The top two seeds get buys, and then you're going to have seeds three and six play each other in seeds four and five. And then this is a change, however. There's not going to be a reseeding for the divisional series. So that means the number one seed is going to play the winner of the 4-5 matchup, and the number two seed is going to play the winner of the 3-6 matchup. I do wish they would reseed, because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What if what if the six wins, and then the two gets the seemingly easier route? It does seem counterintuitive, especially for a guy like you and I who are so used to tournaments and like helping run tournaments and putting seeding together to not have the higher seed play the lower seed due to scheduling and not due to performance seems odd. Yeah. And I, I think the NCAA basketball tournament is a different animal um, because well, exactly, sites, that's what I'm saying. you know, there, yeah. there's all things like that, but yeah, this is, you know, there's no site. This is not pre-described. I mean, they can get on a plane and just point the plane in a different direction. <laughs> point. The, that's the technical <laughs> term. Yeah. But overall, I mean, I'm happy with the postseason changes outside of the amount of teams. Like we've gone back and forth on this folks if you really want to listen you can go back to our other episodes and you can hear me rant and rave about truly it should be four teams per league and there should be just divisional round followed by the championship series and the world series that's how it should be done but in lieu of that this is going to have to do and i'm just so happy they got rid of the one game postseason yes absolutely because again the twins have been on the bad side of that before did they make other rule changes here as well david so we, we went through all of the on-field changes as well as the off-field and sort of regulation changes that are that really have any impact to the average fan but there are going to be some potential rule changes for 2023 that we should touch on um and they're obviously probably a little bit more controversial than the ones that are probably, going to be implemented david. in 2022 yeah they are <laughs> Yeah, they are. Oh my okay. gosh! I so hate let's go. These. Let's go in reverse order of, of impact. Okay. okay? <laughs> so the first being the base size. Do we care? Like, I mean, unless I, they're moving to like hilarious. a four by four base of like just just <laughs> giant bases, I don't know how much I care. No. Wait, why is this? Why do they care? Are they making it bigger or smaller? I don't even know. I don't know exactly what the what the issue is or why they're making the bases bigger. I have to assume there's some sort of injury risk that they're trying to prevent by having like more space on the bag. But anyway, so I don't care about the base size. Do you care about the base? Again, unless they do something ridiculous as far as making it so much larger, but I can't imagine that being the case. No, maybe we will midseason, but I don't care now. Not at all. No. Sir. <laughs> if there's a close play at second that goes against <laughs> the Twins. Oh, it's the dang base sizes. 
Um, would you say that the, well, would you say the pitch clock is the next least egregious? Probably. And the only reason why I'm less concerned about the pitch clock is because I'm not convinced that it's going to be enforced. And maybe once I see it being enforced, the first time I see a ball added due to a pitch clock violation, I'll probably have stronger feelings about it. But Dan, have you ever once thought, man, I really wish that pitcher would slow down getting the ball to the catcher? I know. You know, the the one time that I feel like I have noticed this or the times that I notice this is when I when I go back and I watch a clip of an older game because it was faster. I mean, there, there, was, yes. there was much less there, but I think it's as much on the batter and I think the batter needs to stay in the box. I know they talked about that as well. Yes. No, I think both of those changes would only help the sport. Again, do I think it's going to like, oh, games are going to be a half hour shorter now? No, certainly not. It's like the automatic intentional walk, right? Like that really sped yes. games up to not have to throw those four pitches. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, they went from six hour games down to hour and a half. It was incredible. Game. It was incredible. Yes. But anyway, so I yeah, I think pitch clock again, that one is probably the one that I'd be most interested to see how it's implemented and how it's used and enforced before I could really say, oh yeah, this seems like a good idea or a bad idea. And then there's the automatic strike zone, David. We're going to have to have this discussion again, aren't we, Dan? Oh my God. I forget where you landed on this. I, so I I still want a guy behind home plate, and I think I'm still against, as far as my opinion is concerned, basically because I need someone to explain to me the technology that adjusts the actual strike zone based upon the batter's stance. So Altuve, that's what, to pick a, a short guy. It just concerns me that if a guy changes the way that he bats, I can't imagine they're using like preset, oh, this batter is this strike zone. I assume the computer is looking at how the batter is standing and maybe maybe the system works fantastic but as I've said before you need to have a guy there for a couple of reasons one so you don't have pitchers like bouncing the balls into the strike zone and the strike zone <laughs> registering as a strike did it hit the batter is there catcher interference there's a lot of things that you still need an ump to be there for so if you're only using it for balls and strikes which is really all in effect that can be used for I might be okay with it but I'm curious to see how that technology works and how it adjusts based upon a guy making a change to his swing you're such a purist <laughs> such so a you're purist. just on board you're pedal to the metal i i want robots in the i want robot players i want well, robot everything so there was a video game that was like robot baseball i remember playing as a kid and it, it does feel like that it does feel a little bit unhuman uh to not have a person but i think obviously i agree with you a person needs to be back there i don't totally disagree i think it, i think it's inhuman in, right? <laughs> in, like, in, unhuman unhuman sounds like what aliens it, would say <laughs> like they'd show up we're gonna unhuman this planet i oh man um i don't totally disagree with you imagine you're an umpire you're joe west back there isn't it a little condescending why did you joe west well I, oh, I, angel hernandez maybe angel that's hernandez <laughs> So you imagine Phil Angel Phil Hernandez. I, let's go. Can we go Phil Cuzzy? That's who I'd really prefer. <laughs> All right, Phil Cuzzy. And you've got a little earbud because obviously he probably does anyway, right? And yeah. and you're being told whether it's a ball or a strike. It that feels very condescending to me. And I and I get that. You well, know, uh, umpires, Dan. Umpires are very humble men <laughs> well, for the most part. Don't want to be. I understand that. Like we can't condescend to Phil Cuzzy isn't a reason to not do it. But I do. I do just. <laughs> I want you to tweet that out. I'm curious. I'm against, I'm against the automated strike zone because it's condescending to current umpires. <laughs> oh, That's my strong together. argument against. Okay. Um, my argument for it in support of the of the automated is it's, it's more accurate, right? It's got to be more accurate. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. And I don't think the players would agree to it if it, if it really wasn't demonstrably more accurate. And, and I don't know about pitch framing and all that. 
I think that's a little bit overblown. You know, a strike should be a strike, right? I don't know. I think the pitch framing is definitely an art. I guess my question is, as far as sort of the extracurricular activities, are managers still going to argue the strike zone? You know, like you're not supposed to, but like, can you can you just see Rocco taking a bat to a to a computer and be like, that was outside, and you know it, you sob. Well, I can't see Rocco taking a bat to anything or raising no, his I, he voice. He was a like terrible that. example. I should I should have said Guardy is what there I should have go. said. Yeah, I don't know. Let's let's table the rest of this discussion. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how okay. it goes. Okay. Well, with that, Dan. The most controversial oh. topic. Here it is, Dan. Banning the shift uh, in baseball. Why don't we just chain the fielders to a place on the field, right? And they can't move. Let's just put <laughs> chairs out there like I do in a pickup game with my son to, to stand in for players. And let's just leave them there. Let's just leave them there all game. And let's just see who hits who. If I hit the ball right at Byron Buxton in the center field, I guess I'm out. So I was reading a little bit more about the details about this. And one of the rules would be that the infielders cannot play on the grass, which what I think is... This whole thing is just ridiculous micromanagement. Ridiculous it's, micromanagement. Yes, it's quite silly. I I understand. So I, I read an article in favor of the shift ban because I wanted to make sure that I like fully understood why people are in favor or why some people are. And part of it's because remember that scene from the Astros when, when Gallo was at the bat and it's like they have all of their players on the right side of the field and he grounded out. Like, right. like it's like this. Like, but the thing is, there needs to be some adapting. And if the shift didn't work, teams wouldn't do it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So if players can figure out a way around it, then it's better for the game because the shift will naturally dissipate if players find ways to beat it. If Max Kepler could hit the ball to the opposite field, then so then teams would stop shifting against him. But he can't yes. seemingly do that. This is on the hitters. This is on the hitters to just get better. And I and this is what annoys me. Teams have been shifting pretty aggressively for what, five or six years now? Yeah, about that sounds right. So surely at the lower levels of the sport, coaches are recognizing this and they are training younger hitters to hit differently. Yes. And, and now you're going to pull the rug out then and say, you know what? doesn't matter. Like, I, yes. be, Because I think hitters over time will adjust to this and, and it will just become part of – think of Luisa Rise. I am sure Luisa Rise knows how to hit and avoid a shift if he has 100%. to. 100%. Yeah. And, and that should be rewarded. Certainly. Oh, my gosh. I, how, how they would possibly do this, David? Now, I'm I mean, the purist get, now, I guess. If you get a big guy at the plate who is a pull hitter, but he learns how to bunt up the third baseline – can you imagine a big guy getting a stand-up double on a bunt? Totally. Because of the way that the team's shifted? I mean, like, Miguel Sano. Come on, that. Miguel. Yeah. Like, lay down a well, bunt. I mean, I said big guy, not massive guy. <laughs> Damn, well, yeah. So, I, we are in agreement. I don't know why the rest of the baseball world doesn't see it this way. What what else were the, were the counter arguments, David, that you read about? That was the big thing is just that there needs to be some manipulation because of how strong the shift is, is that it's giving defenses too much of a competitive advantage. The only way that I can argue with that argument in mind is on the basis that there's no way to overcome that defensive advantage from a player standpoint. But there is. Learn how to hit the other way. Yeah, I mean, you can take a low and inside pitch and hit it the other way. I mean, yes. It's not impossible, especially if you know that they're going to do it. You just wait for that pitch and you, like, and I guess you and I couldn't hit it, obviously, but we're not no. professional baseball players. No, we're not expected to, Dan. We're no. expected to criticize players who can't do it. Exactly. All right. Again, we need to stop. This, David, we're getting too, we got to move on. We, yes, yes. This is, it's just been too long, Dan. We have so many things to say, but uh, we do seem to be 
on the same side in this regard. So maybe we got to bring someone in who doesn't agree with us. Well, speaking of bringing other people in, so I, I think we can move to the to kind of some structural notes about the podcast yeah. this season. So so Andrew Hogs Hoganson will be our permanent third host. I'm very excited about this. In the times that we got to do, especially a kind of a three person show. Really excited. Yes. I, I love his burns that he gives yes. us uh, afterwards as well. So I'm, I'm really excited that he's going to be our permanent third. I'm, I'm excited to work with him when you're not here, David. And maybe finally I'll have a reasonable co-host. Yes. Well, good luck. Good luck, Dan. I know it's hard working with me, but we do want to give a shout out to our sponsors to the Grand Group with Edina Realty as they shelled out some cash for us to get Hoag's all set up so he can record from his home, not having to make the trip uh, down south to Minneapolis. And we're going to have a new segment to go with him called David's Dumbs and Dan's Dumbs, so he can correct us. I suppose those would be the moments there in in the show. So Andrew, uh, prior to being on the show, was a frequent listener, and he would text me his many disagreements. And so now, as opposed to having to text me, Dan, whenever he's on the show, he's going to keep a list of all the bad takes that we've had uh, for the person who's out, and he will be sure to correct them for us, Dan. Love it. Well, luckily, he's going to have nothing to say during the Dan's Dumbs segment. No, so. no, not. Well, and the thing that's so funny. So the reason why we're calling it Dumbs, folks, if you didn't listen last season, Andrew, his first time on the podcast, explained that there are a lot of times in baseball where a player makes a bad play, but it's not scored as an error. And so he decided that those plays should be called Dumbs. So that's where we got the segment title of Dan's Dumbs and David's Dumbs. And then a couple other podcast notes. So we are going to do two spring training shows and then a season preview on opening day. And Correct. so that'll be kind of our content between now and April 7th, I guess, opening yeah. day. Opening day, it's happening. And then one last note here about the channel. So we are uh, now going to be posting the podcast on YouTube. So right now it's not going to be any video. It will just be the audio of the show. But if that's where you consume most of your content, you'll now have the option to do so through YouTube. We do hope potentially in the future to expand to video. But at this point, we will be strictly audio uh, for the time being. Well, David, I'm excited next time we get to just talk about baseball with twins. We can mention twins players' names. We can talk through. Maybe they'll sign a couple more players and we'll actually have a roster to root for here this season. And honestly, that was one reason why I thought it best just to talk in general because the twins haven't made moves yet. And I assume within the next few days, we we hopefully, hopefully, Dan, they will make some moves. All right, David. Well, this was fun. Can I try to send us out here? Yeah, please do. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please do tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win. You can find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast so you're notified when new episodes are available and if you could leave us a rating that would be great thank you for listening and as always go twins that'll wrap up another episode of men for the win a podcast hosted by david kufis and dan thompson two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball especially when it's done by the twins thanks so much for listening and as always go twins